Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones, and that little introduction that uh, you did yesterday, uh, you actually got a request, and uh, you dedicated. <laughs> someone someone called in to Band of Brothers on Jump School and goes, uh, Pete, uh, you didn't say it at the beginning of the program. You got to say it. Say, say it for me. <laughs> <laughs> he did. That's what's funny. And I'm like, why don't you dedicate it to him, Pete? So you did. Well, wasn't it Joshua Henry? Wasn't it him? It, uh, I, yeah, it was Josh. And he actually didn't say Joshua. It. Quit changing everyone's name. Yeah, he didn't actually say it with that kind of creepy affection in his voice. But it was funny. That was like a thing. He really wanted to hear you say it. You um, you like changing people's names, don't you? You keep calling him Josh. It's not Josh. It's Joshua. You know, can I call you Phil? Philip. And friend. then we had we had a guy on Band of Brothers named Steve. And you're like, Hey, so Eric, <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, but it's biblical. It's like, you know, Jesus was always doing that. He was like, hey, you, you know, hey, your dad, your parents, they called you Simon, but from henceforth, you shall be Peter. But okay. see, um, I think he did it on purpose, and that's not what you're doing. Dude, Beelzebub is like flying around me. He will not leave me alone. That's that's five near passes by my ear. This and, fly. And, and ladies and gentlemen, that's how Pete became a charismatic. <laughs> this fly won't leave me alone, and I've nicknamed him Beelzebub based on uh, based on your your advice. You told me I should name. Well, him. you said you said this fly is from hell, and I said, well, it must be. You know, I said name him Beelzebub and cast him out. Dude, get away, dude! I'm telling you. This fly, I, I I don't even know what to say, man. I I can't enjoy my coffee. Keeps landing on my hair. You know how nasty that feels. A, a fly. Well, you don't know. You don't have hair, but you know it's it could feel. He laid baby maggots in your ear when you're sleeping last night, and he's coming back for him. So he's a little bit obsessed. You would be too if your babies were in someone's ear. Beelzebub, be gone. <laughs> Open the door. Tell him to walk towards the light. I'm going to have to put a zapper in my office. Welcome to the Church Planner Podcast, where we talk about things that are important to you, listener. <laughs> hey, so um, you started to tell me before the podcast about uh, a group you went to last night, and I said, stop, save it for the uh, podcast. So tell me well, about that. Yeah, I mean, I there was a group that was going through Church to Zero, cha-ching! As a small group, and they invited me. Uh, they're from my sinning church, and they're like they're like this small group that's met for I don't know how many years. I I can't remember stuff like that, but it was a number of years. And they picked up the book. And it was really funny because they're all um, how should we say? Uh, I would just say that most of them were grandparents. That's a nice way to 
say they were, you know, moving on a little bit. They were very mature believers, if you catch my drift. And so, you know, I wasn't sure, uh, like... I, I don't. Uh, can you explain that to me? What's a, a mature believer? No, I'm not going to... You're not going to get me to say it, because... Uh, I don't know. Be listening. Hey, I'm, I'm counting on some of these guys for support, yeah? So uh, so here's the deal is, you know, they, they come to this thing, and um, they, uh, you know, it was, it was really interesting hearing their take on the... Uh, on the book, but you know, before I was leaving, I, I was like, you know, I want to hear what their take was. Tell me what was their take on the book? They were all for it, man. I was really shocked. And, uh, you know, there was one woman there. She's like, finally, you know, I, I, I found uh, like all of my pop culture in one place. I was expecting them all to go, you know, uh, we needed a dictionary for this thing, you know, not, not because you use hard to hard to understand words, but because of all the stupid pop culture in it. But they got it, man. They got it. It was it was really cool. They were a neat group of people. Do you think they were just saying that to make you feel better? <laughs> you know, it was funny because, you know, first thing I did is I wanted to hear them talk. And so I was like, you know, tell me about yourselves. Like, they had a list of questions that I was able to sit down Perform, but I want to hear from them. Uh, in, um, it was just really interesting. The questions that they had raised were really good. But before I was leaving, what I was telling you earlier is, I was like, I had on my uh, my Jesus uh, coffee with Jesus shirt, and uh, I was like, you know, I don't know if if I, you know, these guys don't know me, and I don't know if I can pull it off in front of them. But I have this shirt with Jesus uh, from coffee. Right on the right on T Rex. No, not on this particular one. Although, if it were Jesus riding a T Rex, holding a cup of coffee, saying what he's about to say, it would be even better. But it was uh, Jesus with a cup of coffee. If you've not ever gone to Radio Free Babylon and read the comic, coffeewithjesus.com, um, you'll know that last month we did an article in the magazine on it, um, on the guy, uh, Dave, who wrote him. And it started off as a very satirical thing, and it became. Uh, a real powerful way to communicate truth. And so coffeewithjesus.com. And anyways, I got, so I got this shirt with the, um, it's like all from like flannel board from like the fifties, the Sunday school lessons. And he, he just made a comic strip out of them. They're funny as heck. And, but Jesus is always saying something very potent and very powerful. Anyways, in this particular one, it shows Jesus holding a cup of coffee and he's saying, don't be a punk. And I just, that's that's like a reminder to me, and so I have that shirt, and I always read that, and I always picture Jesus going, Peyton, don't be a punk, because I need to hear that. I got friends that tell me that, and I'm sure that the Lord tells me that occasionally as well. You know, my Mormon friends would find what you just said blasphemous, because Jesus would never be holding a cup of coffee. Oh, I did not even think about the theological ramifications of that. I think you should wear that and go on one of the temple tours. <laughs> <laughs> Would that would be, be even above? better is to go to a Christian coffee shop where they roast their own and find something like, you know, uh, Jesus's keen beans or something like that and wear that shirt. Now, that would really send them over the top. <laughs> but nothing can compare. Nothing can compare to the time where I walked in to my mother-in-law's when we were getting ready to do uh, the podcast and... Um, Andrew's, Andrew's friend was there who was a Mormon and you were talking about something we were doing with Walter Martin's stuff, uh, about the Colts. And, and, and I think you were telling her about the book and we interviewed you. I go, I, yeah. My, my line to her was, I go, you know, Walter Martin, he did a lot of stuff with the Colts, you know, a lot of stuff with Jehovah's witnesses and, uh, and the Mormons. And then that's when she goes, I'm a Mormon. And then I go, Oh, then you know all about the Colts. <laughs> And you're dying. I think we I think we went outside and we laughed for about ten minutes straight. We could not talk. Oh my gosh, dude. I was so embarrassed. Like, how is that the first thing that comes running out of my mouth at full speed? You were so embarrassed, man. That was I really was. And I was trying to like save it so bad after that. And you were back changing Eden in her room and you said that you could heard it out because you were just like Dying. Oh, dude, I heard it. And and I just hear you go, oh, 
so you know all about the cult. And I'm like, no. Like, like as you're like waxing on about Walter Martin and the Mormons and the cults, I'm like, I, I, I'm thinking cease and desist, cease and desist. There was no way, you know, I've got like the baby, it's diapers off. She's on the bed. She'll roll off. I I was powerless. It was just meant to be, Pete. You were meant to say that. Apparently, apparently, I don't know what to say. We cannot stop laughing out by the car because you were. I didn't know that you had heard it. I didn't know that you had heard it. And that's why, you know, I'm making small talk with her the rest of the time. Your wife comes home. They start talking. I'm like, all right, uh, I'm going to go. Why don't you walk me out to my car? And that's when you took me outside, and I'm like, did you hear what I said? So, okay, so our topic today, what what are we talking about, Pete? Um, I thought we were talking about don't be a punk. but <laughs> Okay, so church planning. We're going to talk about don't be a punk today. And, uh, hey, Pete, do we have any advertisements today? Um, we didn't do them last last podcast. Well, that was okay. I knew because I knew we could save it because uh, they they've uh, sponsored two podcasts for the month, and so I was all right with missing last week's. But cool. uh, we so, probably do. But it's on the computer that Yosemite is uh, installing on the uh, new Yosemite hey, update from. Yeah, it's out yesterday. Oh, I need to get it. I don't know, man. I tell you, the king is dead, and it's obvious because Apple products right now suck. Yeah, they do. My um, This new iOS 8, when I get texts now from other iPhone or Apple users, I should say, it doesn't show up on my phone. It might show up on my iPad, it might show up on my phone, or it might show up on my computer, but it won't show up on all three devices. So... I totally missed text. Like my wife's like, "Oh, you didn't get my text." I'm like, "No, I don't even know where that one went. That one never even came through." The king is dead. Steve Jobs would never have let this kind of uh, crap go on. No, and what you know, I read his his biography, and what he was notorious for was sticking to the deadline and insisting on perfection or near perfection and people would be like we can't do that need yell at him and scream at him and fire him he'd fire like a whole department for saying that and then he'd be like next you know who who else doesn't think it can be done and he would bust our butt man and they would get it done he was a slave driver they they literally slept in the office or went home for a few hours of sleep for like months man you know, I'm surprised they weren't seeing like like hallucinating, you know, like Mike Myers or something coming and chopping them up or that they themselves did not turn postal and kill everyone on their team. That may have happened. I don't know. Mm. But uh, You know what? You know who I met last night at my at my thing? Uh, the uh, Church Zero group was uh, a woman who uh, she is a nurse for Disneyland. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, that was really fascinating hearing just a couple of the the stories about, you know, because then you get asked all the morbid questions. How and many I, people I, died? Yeah, but, but you know, nobody dies at Disneyland. I don't know if you know that. Like, you cannot, like, the coroner, uh, what, what they do is when someone's dead, you know, he, I, I didn't ask this. Like, do you put them in a wheelchair? Do you drag them out, you know, by their feet? Do you, uh, do you put them in an ambulance? But... Um, Basically, what they do is they, they're on call. There's two first aid stations in the park. They strap on this 25-pound backpack and go, go out and do first aid or whatever they got to do. But when someone dies, they take them out of the park and pronounce them undead, you know. <laughs> undead? <laughs> and, uh, but they are. It's like they're undead. They're in this weird state until they get to the gates, and then they're dead. Right. So nobody has ever died. Wink, wink in Disneyland. Right. Um, the coroner always comes up and goes, uh, time of death is uh, what time did you say you got outside the gate? Yeah, that'll do. Four fifty nine. Serious? That can't be legal. I swear to you. And I confirmed it because I had read about it. I got this book. Uh, it's not Disney Tales. It's 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 this weird book. I got it. And it's like all the weird stories about. Remember when they had that thing, America Sings, and it rotated around. It had all the singing birds and possums and frogs and stuff. No. Yeah, well, they, now they got some. It's it's over by the Star Wars thing. It's that giant round building. Anyways. You oh, oh, well, I know the round building, yeah. 
but and it rotates. So back in the day, that was like you sit there and watch a show, and there's all these animatronics, and the outside of the building uh, swings around. It would rotate around the center stage, and the stage was cut up into different rooms. So anyways, there was a woman, um, she was a young girl, it was like her first couple days, and she tried to slip in between the walls as they were passing each other, and she didn't quite make it in time. And she was the first uh, cast member to die. They call them cast members, by the way. I I heard that when they first opened, the uh, Pirates of the Caribbeans actually came alive and started eating all of the uh, guests. Well, there was that, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, that's a flashback to Jurassic Park. That's awesome. Dude, that would make such a great movie. They said in Jurassic Park, they're like, well, you know, when Disney opened, none of the rides worked. And Jeff Goldblum goes, yeah, but the Pirates of the Caribbean didn't come alive and started eating all the guests. He, he actually said that in the movie? Oh, yeah. How did I not hear that? Dude, I have oh, not had yeah, an original yeah, no, thought. I remember. Okay, I remember that. In my life. I have no original thoughts. I, yeah, I just I remember that. take everyone else's great thoughts and claim them as my own. We should write that short story, though, and, and take it to Hollywood. Dude, I bet you we could get funding. Night only of the Living it, Disney. You couldn't call it Disneyland. You'd call it Wisneyland. Night <laughs> of the Living Diz. Oh, no. Yeah, you heard it from here. Church Planner Podcast. And, and by now, Joey Roper switched off. Other people have decided the Church Planner Podcast isn't even worth listening to. So we, we better it has nothing to do with church. Let's jump into the biz. Let's let's get to the secret hey, church planning wisdom. But before we do, you know, Peyton, uh, let me ask you something. Have you been thinking about uh, uh, starting a church? You know, uh, Pete, I was just sitting on the toilet thinking about that very thing this morning. And have you been thinking that you wanted to take uh, money for your church, but you wanted to do some electronic thing, and all you had was PayPal? Yes, and I was ready to flush the whole thing. Well, we'll stop it. There's a better way. It's called MoGive, and that's spelled M-O-G-I-V dot com. Um, by the way, I don't know if our listeners know this, but I actually went out and bought the domain name MoGive, M-O-G-I-V-E dot com. You are such a shark, Pete Mitchell. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry, that's I, I don't have the ad here in front of me, but uh, MoGive. M-O-G-I-V. MoGive. And because we always butcher our ads, we do need to say that uh, if you want to advertise with us, no, I'm teasing. But <laughs> actually, MoGive is um, it's a much better way to give. I, I found people when uh, I was a missionary, and I still, people still support through New Breeds so that I, I don't have to be dependent on the churches I plant. And uh, anyways, I had people going, hey, I don't like this percentage on here. I'm not giving. It literally became a barrier, um, some of the things that, that we did. And I won't mention any names. What do you mean, the percentage? I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, MoGive has a really good rate because you end up paying either a flat fee or you pay a percentage or what have you. And what MoGive has done is they've come in with very competitive rates, and they're the best that we could possibly find. And so if if you're looking, and if that's been an issue, and trust me, you'd be surprised it is an issue with people, um, you know, go ahead and, and check them out. And what's good is if someone's giving through PayPal. What do you mean, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean it's an issue? It's an issue for the person giving. It'll actually stop people. I remember in a year donations, I had a woman, she's like, look, I want to give to you, but um, I'm not using your online system because that's too much. I've worked out how much money off my donation will actually go to your middleman. And I don't know. Does it say it on the website? Yeah, you can, you can go look it up and there are people. I've never told anyone what I pay. It's called a merchant account fee. Cause obviously I've got a merchant account fee because of all the businesses I run. I've yeah. never told anyone that it's not their business. You I can mean, find it out. And often I believe the one that we you can't find it out. I mean, unless they're like, well, I'm assuming you're using these people, and this is what it says on their website. No, no, it said it said on it. Um, there's um, organizations like Network for Good. Um, you can find all their all their rates, and I believe at that time you clicked on it, and it was in the small print and all that. So um, th there was a way to find it out. 
The other issue that people have is paying with PayPal. It, it, you know, they have to stop. Think of it now. You're into your giving or what have you. Most charities get 50% of their giving uh, in the final, uh, like, I think it's something like the final week or 10 days of the year. 50%. And that does, in fact, work out because people are thinking, hey, I really want that tax break. And uh, and that that's when they think about it. It's up to the mm. deadline. So um, don't be surprised if you get a big chunk of money at the end of the year. But if, just think about it now. You're at the end of the year. Um, you know, of course, all the people in your, your church have been partying hard. And so they're kind of drunk anyways. And so they go to pay. No, I'm teasing. No, but they go to pay. Here's Here's the issue, though. They go to pay. And suddenly they have to sign up for PayPal. And that becomes a massive barrier for people. Think of the little old lady. And trust me, little old ladies have money, man. And they suddenly go to give. And it's hard enough for them to use an iPad or the Internet. And now they go somewhere and it's like, hey, you got to sign up for PayPal. And they're, they're like, what the juice, man? I, I don't know how to do that. So uh, this kind of strips that mystique. They can just go straight to what is on your site. They can even set up recurring giving through Moga. That was kind of what helped us because we thought, hey, for the tithe, um, that's a really helpful feature. So you're not just uh, given through some other uh, middleman site that's that's gouging the, uh, the amount. You're actually able to set it up with a good rate um, and they can give monthly. So they could set up to give you a couple hundred a month and then they don't have to think about it. You don't have to think about it. It's just every month deducts from their account into your bank. So that's one good reason. And just so you know, if we have advertisers on here, we only have advertisers where we believe in what they're doing because we don't want to, you know, sell our soul to uh, give out, get, get advertising. So we use Mugget and we, you know, we pay for it. So. I dig it, man. So, what is our topic for the day? Now that I don't even know how far we're in, I don't have a clock or anything. Who, yeah, who cares? Because this definitely ain't the longest we've been in, right? So, we're going to talk today about um, what should you ask your sending church for. So, uh, throughout the the last couple of weeks, I've been doing a lot of coaching and a lot of talking with with different guys. And one of the questions that I got was, hey, I'm going in to meet with my sinning pastor. And, you know, I've, I've talked before about the fact that sometimes I brokered the deal between sinning churches and uh, church planners. And you don't have to do all that by yourself. If you're comfortable doing it, that's fine. And if you have a relationship with your, your pastor um, where you feel confident saying, hey, this is what I need and will you give me this? Cool. But what are you going to ask for? There are so many things that you need to think about uh, when it comes to asking for. It's kind of like going to your tax man. Where you go to your tax man, they're like, you know, you can write this off. And right? You can write your health care off. You can write that off. And you're like, really? 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 And it's the same thing with your sending church. You might think, oh, I'm just going to ask him for, you know, some money. There's a lot more that you can be asking for. And um, so... The first question is, uh, how much money do I ask for and how long? And so first off the gate, my thought, and Pete, I don't know what you think about this, but my thought is you can never over ask because the worst people are ever going to tell you is no, right? So when you go into your, your, your pastor and you're asking, ask hi. And I have found more times than not, asking higher is a better way to go um, than asking lower. Because if you ask low and the guy goes, oh, yeah, I'll give you that. You're thinking, well, probably could ask more. And he, he probably would. You're in a good spot where they go, hmm, really that much? Hmm. That's a good spot to be in <laughs> because they're thinking hmm they, they just haven't thought they maybe thought they could pay you off for 200 bucks and get rid of you but you need to say to them hey you know if if i plan out for you that's an extension of this ministry and you know it bronze a network and you know it's something you're seen to be doing and it, you know it, it's kudos for you 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 get bra- i mean you don't say that but it, it it's it's true you know the pastor is going to get some bragging rights to uh, to that church plant but you ask hi 
because you know he might come down the middle. Where if you had gone in asking two hundred, um, he might have said yes, but now he might kind of go, well, how about five hundred or six hundred? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, actually, what you're talking about is a um, I can't remember the exact term for the principle, but a great resource if you want to find you know more about this is actually in a book called Influence by Robert Cialdini. And uh, one of the things that he alludes to is, um, I mean, he it, it's basically a psychology book for salespeople. What does it take to influence others? And um, one of the stories he talks about is Watergate. And one of the reasons why uh, they funded uh, Watergate and it actually happened was the guy who wanted to do it was telling them, look, this is what we need to do and I need a million dollars. I need a million dollars so I can, you know, pay off everything and I can make this happen. And of course they're like, no, no, no. Well, then he finally came back and he's like, well, just give me 250,000. And it was partially because he had started out so high and then he came back and he's like, well, give me 250,000 that they agreed to it, gave him the money. And of course, you know, they broke into Watergate, they get caught, Nixon resigns. So um, all of that happened because of starting high. And it's it's actually a psychological principle. Yeah. I I think that you're planting a seed there that's that's very good. And so um, should I not have said you know about Watergate in correlation to your principle? Did I just ruin it for you? I'm not even smart enough to know why that would be bad. Oh okay. All right. So uh, here's here's the thing is you know why not ask. For particularly if you're on staff at a church, why not ask to be continued to be supported on staff and put a time on it? The issue there is a time for six months, for a year. And I would say start out, of course, using the same principle by asking for a year. And he might go, How about six months? How about? <laughs> and you go, Well, could you stretch to nine months? <laughs> you know what I mean? So hopefully you guys are getting kind of the principle now because you want to ask to be kept on staff. And they might say, well, you know, we actually need to fulfill that position. Uh, and so we're going to need and say, well, look, why don't I train someone up during that year? And I will continue to train. I might be in the next town over, but uh, I'll work on mentoring someone during that year. And I'll, I'll, I'll travel back and this and that. And um, it won't be a full-time job to, to train someone up, but you're providing them, um, and, and you can you can tell them, look, you know, I'll provide continuity of pastoral care through this. So I will make sure that people don't fall through the cracks. We'll do some of it together, and hey, that's a win-win, right? Mm. We're seen to be working together, me and my replacement, um, boom, boom, boom. So a lot of it is how you kind of pitch it and sell it to your sending pastor. That's very important. So... The other thing is you ask for your church to um, pay for jump school. <laughs> I love it. But, but, but honestly, um, think of it. There's training out there. And so you, you say, because your pastor is going to training. He's going to conferences. He's going to seminars. He's being paid to do all this. And so you say, look, could you send me to uh, some conferences during the year? You know, because I need someone to feed into me. It's going to be hard and um, boom, boom, boom. And, you know, in particular, though, I would. I know it's a, a bit of a ching for us. And, and I'm saying it tongue in cheek. But at the same time, I would definitely say um, get them to pay for jump school. In fact, when I'm talking to church planners right now that are saying, Hey man, I really want to join jump school, but I don't, I, you know, I don't have the money. I'm thinking to myself, if you go up the food chain a bit and I'm starting to tell guys, why don't you have your sending church pay for you? I mean, I was just talking, I'm, I'm speaking at a conference coming up in February and I was just talking to a pastor and he was mentioning that training of their church planners is a big deal. It means a lot to the sending pastor because at the end of the day, he wants to know that he's given you the absolute best training that he can. And of course, you know, I, I know I've said this before, but I joined every single church planning online course or church planner training online 
for a minimum of two months. And I mean every single one uh, I joined. And what Pete and I did is we came away and we said, well, let's make basically a list of everything that everyone else offers. And let's take everything that all the networks offer and let's put it in jump school. So that if you're... Well, we said, let's take the best of what they've got and um, and take what they're missing. Yeah. And put it all together. We added on, and literally, there was, I mean, everything. The, the book summaries, I mean, everything that's in there. Other guys offer, there's one network will pay you 200, or you'll pay, excuse me, you'll pay $200 to uh, have like half the stuff that you get in jump school. I thought they were 297 Maybe. They may have gone up, actually. I wouldn't be surprised. There's another one where that you charge, uh, they charge you, $40 and you get one audio message and it's an audio message from a conference. So it, it's expensive. And I joined all these for two months and Pete and I came away and said, let's, let's go even further and offer not only what they all offer, but let's go beyond and offer even more. Let's, let's come up with the stuff that we know planners need. And so you need to be asking your sending church to be training you. And often the sending pastor doesn't know because he's a shepherd or a teacher and he may not be a church planner or he may, he may have church planted once. He may have started a church in his living room, rented a, a facility, and it grew back in the 80s. That does not necessarily mean he understands church planning or what you're about to do, which would be frontline church planning. So you need that. But also conferences. You know, there's lots of great church planning conferences that uh, spring up throughout the year. And um, you you need to ask for a few of those. You know, you might even ask for just a regular pastoral conference, something that's going to feed into you, something that's a a shot in the arm, something that's going to equip you. And and those are things guys don't often think to ask. I dig it, man. That's cool. So – the other thing, and I know we've talked about this on the podcast, is the use of the accounting, uh, the financial staff. Um, mm. We did this with Refuge Long Beach. We actually uh, don't we still do it with Refuge Long Beach? Yeah, we do. In fact, um, we're setting up our bank account. I'll get my last signature um, when I head up to see Charlie because I haven't seen that guy in ages. I will get his signature. Our bank account will start up immediately. And we'll be good to go, man. Rock and roll. And we'll have our own bank account. We'll be paying our own insurance. Are we finally our own uh, church now? Already did. No we kidding. Official with the state of California. And so all of that kind of stuff um, is important. And if it, one of the tricks for a 501c3, by the way, there's a couple things. I'm going to give you a, a little bit of help here. Usually costs, at least in the state of California, costs a couple hundred dollars. And what I suggest, there's a couple routes you can go for this. If you want to start up a 501c3 of your own, um, that's going to set you back in the state of California about $1,800, right? Between lawyer fees and the 800, it's usually about a, you know, um, anywhere from $1,800 to $2,800. Depending. So there's startchurch.com. They're one of our advertisers before. And what they do is they'll do it all. You just basically call startchurch.com and you say, hey, will you help me out? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to do this. Boom, boom, boom. And they'll do everything for you. It comes just under $3,000. If you want to do a 501c3 with something like a big denomination, let's say Southern Baptist, right? A lot of guys don't know us, but Southern Baptist will pay you you know, anywhere from one to two thousand um, dollars to plan a church, uh, not necessarily for them, but with them in partnership with them. So you could be another uh, group of churches, you could be in another denomination, you could be a Calvary Chapel, and you'd be free. And as long as you sign their statement of faith, they're being kingdom-minded enough to say, "Well, we'll we'll uh, partner with you, but in order for us to flow money, we just want to see the kingdom of God expanded. We need you to sign this statement of faith. You become a partner with us and you can have dual affiliation and we will give you that money to help pay your rent or whatever costs you have. Um, Now, what's cool about that option is that you actually get 
Uh, all you have to do is file with your state. And that usually comes up to about a couple hundred bucks. And once you do that, you're done. And, and who we usually use for that, I tell guys, use LegalZoom. And they have all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted. It's a legal service. They'll do that for you. A um, few hundred bucks usually covers it, two to three. And uh, depending on what you want done, uh, reporting to the federal government, all that kind of, they do all that stuff for you. And if you've partnered with the uh, Southern Baptists, you come in under their 501c3. And that saves you three grand, two to three grand that saves you off the bat, right? Or there's a third option, which is what we're talking about today. You go to your sending church and you say, well, you know, um, and this is what I did. My sending church, we were operating under them and the board kept getting nervous. These guys are a liability. They're dead weight hanging on us. Um, if anything goes wrong with them, it's egg on our face. And so they sent me a very polite kind of request saying, Will you um, please leave? <laughs> Will you please move out of the house? You're 21 years old and, you know, you need to, like, fend for yourself, young church plant. And, uh, and, and to be honest, I, I was leeching off my, my, my sending church as long as I could because it's nice. It's really nice to have someone who's a treasure. It's really nice to have all the checks and balances. It's really nice to have all the insurance. And the only way it works is if you operate under the same name, which we did. So it was Refuge. So uh, that's the hitch. You have to be the same name so people can write checks and you have to bring a separate bag in to the, to the mothership and it's all earmarked and the treasurer knows, okay, that all is for this pot over here, the church plant. And uh, But anyways, you can ask them for all that. You can say, look, will you pay for our 501c3. So I actually said to them, hey, uh, we're going to have some expenses in doing this. And as a young church plant with no money and you as a big church with lots of money, would you consider paying that? And so they went. Well, it's not like they have that much money. I mean, they didn't just redo yeah. all their offices. No, ab ab absolutely. Yes. In fact, <laughs> In fact, I'm uh, playing because churches redo their offices, but yeah. Anyway. And most churches, just so you know, do not have a bunch of money laying around. They're using that money for stuff. And so salaries. Know, well, oh, it, I'm sorry. Am I, am I being a bad influence again? No, no, actually that's, that's the, I think this, there was a statistic come out on this last week. I think over half of the, the church, uh, the two biggest costs are salary and building. And I think, you know, it's it's pretty big. It's a pretty big chunk. So, I, it, I mean, like, I, I look at Southern California, and uh, I mean, that that building, like our sending church, is huge. So I don't even know what the property taxes on a building that size would be. Because they own it, right? They, they yeah. bought the land and built the building. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just got to be outrageous. Out, I mean, we're talking, I don't know, 100 grand a year just in property taxes? It's got to be huge. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know stuff like that. Um, I'm a church planner. I don't need to know that kind of stuff. You know, it's that that's the beauty of it. I'm like, well, you know, goodbye, you guys. Good luck with all that property tax stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that's that's really really important um, to to have sorted. You you just need to know that that's going to be a cost. It's going to need to be factored in. By the way, I, I just got to share this real quick. I just caught Beelzebub in my coffee cup by putting a napkin over the top of it. Oh, you did? The fly, Beelzebub, he's caught. Woohoo! You have sent him to the abyss. That's for all of our listeners. Our <laughs> listener at this point, not even listeners. It's, it's, it's a singular. Yeah. Is that because you find this topic extremely boring? It's because we keep cutting up and not being serious enough. <laughs> I, you know, I doubt it because, you know, asking you're sending church for stuff. I actually, it's kind of cool. It is kind of a cool topic. I mean, in one sense, it could be a really boring topic, but in another sense, it's kind of a cool topic in it because you're kind of, you're asking for goodies. Well, and see, here's the thing that I would say. I would say, don't be afraid to ask because the worst that's going to happen is they're going to say no and you're in no different of a position. Absolutely. So it's the more like stuff this. you ask for, I mean, after a while, they're going to get like bothered. Man, they keep asking, you know, they want to use our chairs. They want to take some tables <laughs> for a picnic. They want this. They want, 
But then, I mean, when you just keep it up, they're going to give you the, uh, the yes every once in a while just to, like, get rid of you, <laughs> you know, yeah. just so you'll stop bothering them. And that's fine. Take it. Ab- absolutely. And they might even it, – it's really funny because when we were meeting out in the park, like, you, you brought up a good point. Equipment. Um, you know, we, we've always talked about, hey, you know, raid the, raid the storage closet. Don't, don't raid your bank account. Right, you don't have a lot as a little church plant. Raid your sending church's storage closet, dude. Seriously, like my sending church has an Otis Spunkemeyer cookie oven in their storage room. Like, that is, what is that? It's like Otis Spunkemeyer cookies. I don't know what that is. It's like um, I know who Mrs. Fields is. Come on. Okay, you're you're there. You're halfway there, baby. You know, uh, famous Amos. I mean, they, Otis Spunkemeyer is like a line. It's their competitors, and they have a, a cookie oven in the sending. I mean, they they must have like six microwaves. They have this ginormous storeroom with all this crap in it. And the first thing I did is I I took a little little shopping spree through there and went, "Can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have this?" And the other thing was they had tons of outdoor chairs. They had easy ups. They had oh, is that all ups. of theirs? All of those? Uh, all of that was theirs. Yeah, because we yeah. never had a shortage of chairs. You guys told us to bring chairs when we were meeting out in the park. I remember we always took it, and I always thought to myself, why, man? Look at all these chairs. We got, like, tons of them. Yeah. So we had all of our chairs, and we had easy ups. And what was really cool is YWAM had come through and done this massive outreach in Huntington Beach. And they had left all of these um, uh, pavilions in uh, uh, in the in the back parking lot in one of those like twenty foot shipping containers. And so when I told them we were doing the park, they're like, "Please take the canopies." So we did. I don't know if I don't know if you ever saw us trying to figure out how to put those together, but once we cracked the code, man, it was awesome because there were no instructions, but. We use those for a while for Sunday school. That was one of those pavilions was our Sunday school. Oh, totally remember that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when you're meeting outdoor church, you what you do is you take a, a big pavilion and you wrap that like that orange like plastic netting they use on construction yards. Yeah. That becomes a makeshift outdoor Sunday school room. And that's exactly what we did. And uh, I don't highly recommend it. It was kind of freaky, but uh, especially when people in the park are walking up. Hey, little kids. <laughs> well, that's why you guys actually positioned it behind whoever was preaching. So all the parents could actually see their kids. Yeah. Which was, I mean, it wasn't like five feet behind them. It was like 25, 30 feet behind them. But they could see yeah, their kids. Could, the whole church could literally see what was going on. And, uh, you know, mama, mama bears were, were ready to activate. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, you're going to need that stuff. You know, raid the equipment and take it off their hands. Sound system. I guarantee that you have a sound guy at your sending church who's like the techno geek nerd who always wants the latest and greatest equipment. I know this because I've been in ministry for 22 years, and these guys are always it's, – it's like – it's like they're five-year-olds because I have a five-year-old girl and she's always grabbing these like Toys R Us little mini catalogs that come through the mail and circling everything in there. And I know that's what they're doing. Oh, I want that toy. That can do this. And it only have like one knob extra than the last one that came out a year ago, but they got to have it. And so you will have old equipment that will be perfectly fine in the sending church. But it's been demoted because it's not shiny and new. So it's been bumped down. But it's more than sufficient for what you need for your church plant. I'm telling you, go take that stuff. Go talk to a sound guy and say, hey, do you got any unused sound equipment laying around? Um, Now, some of these guys are wheeler dealers, so they might have sold it. They're like, well, the only way I could justify the new one was the old one. And uh, and then what you do is you just say, well, look, you know, next time you got something you want to sell. And trust me, they got it right then. They've already got a catalog with circles in it. You say, well, would you sell me that for a couple? I mean, you know, it's for the ministry and we really don't have the. You, you make extra nice friends with the sound guy and you, you, you tell them, hey, I need whatever equipment you're getting rid of. And that's something we used to do. We used to. Um, 
talk to uh, sending churches uh, when my buddy Eric was um, doing web hosting, we'd always find the equipment and give them to our younger church plants. I'd say, hey, when you're talking to so-and-so and you want them to get that new system, um, they, they were just starting to do those streaming boxes. It was brand new. And I'm like, hey, we grabbed their old system because, you know, the, the new ones were, you know, suddenly it went from being the size of a, you know, maybe a suitcase to being, you know, the size of a, of a, a coffee mug or something. And I was like, well, grab the old one, man. I know a church that could use that. And that's what we do. And we just sell it to, to the, the church plant for a couple hundred. I get it, man. I get it. So, uh, so we've talked about the salary or monthly support. Um, we've talked about, and, and that doesn't have to be the same thing. What should they ask for, them. by the way? What, I mean, is there like a number that they should go, hey, you know what, I'm going to ask for 500 bucks or 1000 or does it depend on the area they're in? Does it depend on the salary they've been getting? I mean, you know, how do yeah. you pick that number? Because we've been asked that before. They're so like, how do I know how much to ask for? Yeah, and I, I think personally, and I, I know this is a low number, but we've already kind of told you guys you, you, you probably want to um, be bivocational. Um, there's not really a lot of need when you're church planning to be full-time. There's just not. I mean, there's not that much to do. I, I hate to say it. Like, there is a lot to do, but you can leverage that out with, with other people. But guys who think, hey, I'm going to church plant. I'm going to be set aside full-time to, to, to feed the church plant. That's usually a recipe for disaster because you know what they usually mean is they're going to sit behind a computer and sit behind a desk. And the church plant is going to go to hell around them because uh, that's not how you build the church plant. You can find guys to do graphics for you. You can find guys to set up the website for you. What you need to be doing as a church planner is to actually be around people. You actually need to be making contacts in the community and to be working in a public space. So we've talked before with Bivo that you actually want to maybe get a part-time job um, not that's going to pay your bills, but it's actually going to going to build relationships. So something like a coffee shop job, or you know, something that's really stupid like that that you know you wouldn't do it as a career, but it will it will help make some money for you, but it will also get you out and around a lot of people. Which yeah, and and I'm just going to share something that I think we've mentioned on the podcast before. In fact, I'm pretty sure we have. But it was such a, a cool idea. I really enjoyed it. Tyrone, um, his wife joined Mary Kay, which is, you know, it's basically an MLM, a network marketing based company, though it's not, you know, necessarily like, uh, you know, one of the more aggressive ones like Amway. And um, the whole reason that she did it was so that she could, uh, meet new people because, you know, every week and stuff like that, they're constantly bringing in new people. And that's how she now is able to, to meet new people is by, you know, being part of uh, Mary Kay. And it was kind of funny because our very own Barry, who's from Wales, he's here uh, training to be a church planner. Last Sunday, Jamie and I are standing around and he goes, Oh yeah, I just got asked to go to this uh, marketing meeting. Uh, it was for a company called, you know, and this is with his, his Welsh accent. He's like, Amway or something like that. <laughs> and so he's like, what do you think about that? And, and so I just shared what Tyrone's wife did of, you know, joining a network marketing, not to do the network marketing and not even to sell it, but just to meet the people because they're constantly bringing in new people. And, um, and he goes, that's actually a really good idea. And I'm like, yeah. And then it was funny because afterwards, Jamie goes, wow, Barry's getting the full American experience. He's now coming to a network marketing meeting. He's Amway. done both. He's done That's Amway. Awesome. Even I've never been asked to an Amway meeting. Wow. Uh, me neither. You know, it's so funny, though, because we are not in any way endorsing um, pyramid selling in church. That, In fact, I know for you, Pete, that's like a major no-go. In church, it is. I love, yeah. I love network marketing as a business model. But yeah. not church. I don't like it in oh, church shoot, at all. And it works. Those guys are filthy, stinking rich. But uh, but but yeah, never ever ever cross that stuff with church ever. Um, it, it will undermine your credibility. Yeah. Faster than anything with people as a minister. Um, but but the reality is, uh, 
sales jobs are they're the same thing. Anything where you can get personable and talk to people, um, those are great jobs. That's why a coffee shop job is great too. Because let's say I'm working for the Apple Store, right? A little shout out to Hector Mora. Woohoo! But uh, if I'm working the Apple Store, Apple does not want me to talk personably. They want me to talk about the product. They want me to help the customer and focus on their needs and boom. Coffee shop, you're making coffee and talk about whatever the heck you want. Same with sales. Sales, you make any connection you can with the customer. And so you can talk about the Lord as a sales, like real estate agents, same thing. You know, there's just freedom in those kind of jobs that you don't have maybe, you know, working. I don't know. I would, I would say there is freedom, but I would say, um, most salesmen probably won't cross that line because yeah, no, I agree because they it, want the sale. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're talking about something where you're you're putting food on the table at night, and you know if you bring up Jesus, you're not putting food on the table at night. Absolutely. So absolutely, I don't know. There is as much freedom. I would say, however, the coffee job, yeah, because they usually don't care. Yeah, and and the uh, all who worked at a, a hair salon cutting hair, and she yeah. would talk about all the time. And I was absolutely hair salon. Um, I remember being a window cleaner uh, during a church plant where, um, you know, I, I, I cleaned windows. And I can remember my partner getting a little bit like, dude, come on. You know, we got to go. Dude, we got to make sales. And same kind of thing where for him, it was like it was about getting the business. And for me, it was about, yeah, we need the business. But these people need to get saved, too. Sure. And so that was that was the deal. But um, anyways, all, all, of, all of that to say, um, you know, the amount that you want to ask for is, again, if you're on staff, ask for the same amount. Don't ask for more. Um, you, you, they will not give you more. Uh, it'll be a stretch just for them to keep you at that level. But um, you don't have a hope of getting a raise by leaving unless they really hate you and really want to get rid of you and you'd split the church if you're mad. So. Um, here's the deal. Uh, I, I would say roughly if you're asking for, you know, you have no salary, but you're asking for a salary, um, ask three, ask 3000 a month. And I know that's like dirt cheap, but if they're not paying you, um, ask for three, I don't think you'll get 3000 a month, but I mean, churches don't tend to have 3,000 laying around. But 3,000 is just kind of a, a, a kind of middle wage that people just, yeah, okay, you know, 36,000 a year, I get that. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I mean, they might come back and say, okay, well, we'll give you 500. Yeah. Because we were thinking of only giving you maybe 200, but you're asking yeah. for three grand. We'll bump it up to 500. Well, that's cool, because I remember Rick Warren, when he started Saddleback, um, his goal was to get $500 a month from, I think it was like five churches or something like that. Yeah. That was his goal. Yeah. And I mean, this is in what the seventies or, you know, maybe early eighties. Yeah. So, I mean the 500 bucks, that's like the equivalent of probably two twenty five hundred 2,500 a day, something like that. Probably yeah. two grand. So, I mean, he was basically doing the same thing and he didn't get it from everybody, but no. he did get money. Yeah, Absolutely. And he went around, by the way, to other churches um, around where he was going to plant. I mean, it wasn't like he was going back to Indiana and saying, hey, I'm going to plant out in California. He went to the churches around where he wanted to plant and said, will you pony up? Yeah. The, the other thing that you want to ask them for is uh, the ability to fish from the church for a core team. Um, we've talked about that on another uh, broadcast, but you also want to ask if they have interns that you can wink, wink, train them. Okay. And the reason I wink on that is you probably have no clue what you're doing, but training happens hands on. I mean, you, you need to get them out there with you when you're making connections in the community, you can take them as your two by twos. I mean, hopefully you've already got people on a team and you've thought well enough ahead about who, who's coming with me. Who am I planting with? And so you've already got your two by twos, but you actually, you do have a lot to teach these guys, even though you don't think you do, but you actually probably could use some intern help. So if you're talking and trust me, if you ask for just money, 
you're going to get just money. If you ask for all of this, he's not going to think it up. Your sending pastor isn't going to go, hey, you know what? Um, I think I will send uh, an intern with you. You know, you could really use that. Would you like to use a, which intern would you like? Come, tour my interns with me. You can have Jerry, you can have Bobby, you can have Doug. He's not, he's not even on that. He's just thinking, how do I make this guy happy and get rid of him, right? But the reality is you have to be thinking and you have not because you asked not. You need to ask for this stuff. So asking for interns. Um, the, the reality is in a megachurch scenario, the interns don't have enough work to do. I mean, how many copies can the guy make? How many pots of coffee can he refill? How many, you know what I'm saying? How many spreadsheets can he, can he do up? I remember having a job once where I was doing policy review for a company and they gave me this like what they thought was a really really full workload and i worked there for i think six months and i finished all of my work in two i remember showing up to work just going and telling my line manager like i don't have enough to do man <laughs> like i'm done and they're like hmm i don't know what to do about that really I see mean, that's, that's a mistake that you made because i've been in that position I got hired to be a benefits manager, 40-hour-a-week job, and I took over for this gal who didn't know what she was doing. I streamlined the whole job into 10 hours a month, but I was smart enough not to ask for more work. <laughs> well, thing for me, right? I had never had a desk job and a cubicle job ever, and this was during my first church plant. And so I'd, I'd start off in Starbucks. I went from there to a window cleaner. And then I got recruited to do uh, clinical troubleshooting. And part of the contract was policy review. This guy I worked for was a total entrepreneur. And he had been starting up this uh, training business for you know people in medical stuff. So I go to work with, in this building. There's 600 employees there. I've never had a job. And it was part of my contract with him. So I'm doing all this policy review because I'm an RN and I write care plans and all that kind of stuff. So... I, I go do this and I, I didn't know. I realized later, like, that's just what everybody here is doing. They're all just biding time till, you know, the whistle blows at five o'clock. But it's the same. So I didn't know any better. I'm like, what do I do, man? Like, I'm a hard worker. I, I, I do the job in front of me. I was worried I couldn't do it when I got the job. Didn't know what it entails. It a lot easier. Dude, I, I was kicking butt and taking names. I was meeting with like, people that work for the city council to get, you know, what's the latest legislation on that. And, and I was just like, I can't believe they're paying me for this. Like, this is easy. And the reality is uh, at the end of the day, um, these interns are sitting there twiddling their thumbs. I promise you mm. uh, they don't have enough to do. Take them and take them off this guy's hands and just say, you know, I could take them one day a week, two days a week. Ask, you know, ask and you shall receive. The other thing is you can ask if, you know, a lot of big churches have graphics and media people and sound people um, and internet people. And you can ask, hey, would you allow them to do some of the stuff for us that they're doing? You know, maybe web streaming, web hosting. Would you web host for us? Will you add us on to your, your deal? And, uh, you know, when the graphics guy's making graphics, can he make us a copy? You know, if, you, if you've got an Easter pro, uh, program that you're making up, can he make us one with our name on it? And so you're just doubling it up. And all the guy's doing is like a five-minute little, let's change the wording on this a little bit. And boom. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. I their do. printer. Use their printer. Um, if you're already joined to their account, gosh, man, use that stuff too. And they'll charge it to your bank account. Um, it'll save you money and a lot of effort from going to Kinko's. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm kind of uh, winding down to a close. Gosh, we've talked legal. We've talked accounting. We've talked graphics. We've talked finances. We've talked uh, conferences and training. Um, there's a lot more that you can ask for. And then what I would say is ask the senior pastor if he would occasionally, maybe once a month, come and give you a cuddle. Oh my gosh! Just you know, because church planning's hard. You might need a cuddle. Will you cuddle me sometimes? Just that is the reason I will never church plant because I'm not going to my sending pastor and saying I need a cuddle. 
you know, just, I mean, don't make it weird, Pete, but, you know, just don't make it weird. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But here's the deal. Honestly, um, but you might, you might just say, look, will you check in on me? And will you pray for me? And, you know, let him still be your pastor. Because you actually do still need a pastor. And he actually needs to know that you still respect him and, um, you know, need his spiritual input. After all, he's poured into you all this time anyways. And, um, and it's just nice. And it helps, it helps foster that relationship. And so you're also asking for spiritual help as well. And that's about all I have on that. I um I concur, man. I agree. I think uh, I think you, I mean. Let me ask you this in in closing because I know we're out of time. Should they have like a list and then just sit down with the pastor and say, "Hey, you know, here are some areas that I was wondering if the church can help us with." And I just want to go through these with you. I mean, what's the best way to actually have that conversation? Well, you know, it's really funny because I actually, when, when we were coming up to this podcast, I was thinking, I bet Pete knows this, right? Like, cause you have been very much in the business world and you have, um, you know, it, it's something that it, I know, you know, a lot about negotiation and working stuff out with people, but I think a, you always start by valuing that leader. You always start off by saying what a value and what a help they've been. And I wouldn't be church planning uh, without your guidance and counsel and inspiration. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask for, but before I ask for any of the, this help, I just want to thank you for where you brought me so far. I, I've just learned in life that that's always, it's not buttering people up, but it's literally just setting the context that, look, you've been a major, massive help. Hey, you've already done stuff for me. So this is just icing on the cake if you can. And so then when you actually go to ask, yeah, I think having a list and putting it in front of them so you can watch their face go, oh my gosh, oh crap, he's going to ask me, you know, you, you can actually read that, but always face to face, you know, never, never in an email, never over the phone, just face to face. Um, it, it, it's, it's much easier to reject you. You're just setting yourself up to be rejected. Much easier to reject you over the phone. It may seem like it's easier to ask via email, but it's also easier to reject you via email. Mm. And when you're doing it face-to-face, yes, there's more pressure on you, but there's also more pressure on him. The the other thing that's important is that uh, you, um, you go through each point and you can ask something like, this is what I would like. What do you think would be realistic? Is this something you can do? And if he says, no, I don't think so, then you ask the question, what do you think would be realistic? And you're not saying it's not a yes or no. It's not just, oh, no, you can't give me a salary. Okay, next one. You say, is this, you know, on this point one, and, and that's like your crutch, man, you're holding on, because this is going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. It's hard enough to, we did a whole podcast about um, <clears throat> uh, telling your pastor you're going and asking just for his support, um, but now you're asking for stuff, and that's that's hard. So the asking for stuff is always hard. Asking for money is always hard, but again, it's going to be hard, and you're going to use that. Number one, I, I'd like to ask you to consider boom, boom, boom. And then you're just quiet, right? Or, or you say, is that something you think you could do? And if he says, mm, not right now, we couldn't. Then you say, what do you think would be realistic? Because you haven't just accepted, no, we can't do this. We can't. Well, if you can't do $36,000, like, what do you think would be realistic? You're, and you're putting it back in. You're not giving a figure. And I love, Pete, what you always say is when it comes to negotiating uh, contractor price, the first one who speaks always loses. Well, that's, yeah, that's just a, a business concept that everyone in business knows. And church planners probably don't realize that. Be comfortable with the silence. Don't, don't suddenly like, oh, okay, you know, like I'm just going to, I'm going to 500, a thousand, 2000, like don't say anything. There was a brave story of these two uh, business guys and they both knew it. Right. And so the guy makes his, his clothes and they're both just sitting there staring at each other. Cause they both know the first one to speak loses. 
So after like the most uncomfortable three minutes of no one saying a thing, the salesman writes something down. Like it was like, what do you think? But he misspelled the word think. He was like left out the N. It was T H I K. And the guy goes, You misspelled it. All right, all right, I'll buy. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, like they just knew the first one to speak, but so the other guy just, you know, misspelled something so the other guy would speak first. It was kind of funny. That's awesome. That is so cool. Yeah, so you know, just be quiet. Just let it let it ride. And um you know, let him let him say saying. Now, if he gets to three minutes, just you know, um, <laughs> it's not going to get to three minutes with pastors. No, no it's not. And if <laughs> there is an uncomfortable <laughs> silence, just pray. And if you know, if you got to ask, just say something like, "What do you What do you think?" You know, like when they say no to that, say, "Okay, well, let me look at the next item on my list." <laughs> just keep going until you get a yes. Absolutely. Because you're going to get a yes. After a while, he's going to be like, if I got 10 requests, he's going to think, well, I got to give him something. Well, that's exactly get something it. out of it. It's actually a, it's, it's such a tactic that's used. You see it really used by lawyers too. They will constantly put motion after motion in front of a judge Yeah, that are ridiculous. But what ends up happening is the judge ends up, man, I've said no to his last 10 motions. All right, I'll give him this one. Yeah. And here's the thing, right? You, you're not doing anything wrong. You're not, you're not asking for the church to do anything, but what the church asks it people to do, you're asking the church to give the mission. And the church is asking nonstop for the congregation to give the mission. So you're turning it around and saying, all right, church, you need to do now what you need to model really what you're doing, what you're asking your people to do. I'm asking you to sacrifice for mission. Just like, so you got to go into it in that sense, not feeling ashamed, not feeling embarrassed. Yes, it's going to be hard because asking for money is never easy, but you need to know in your mind, all I'm doing is asking the church to give to mission. And this is a worthwhile mission. And remember with the training, a jump school under your belt, you're going to be successful. <laughs> you like, you see what I did right there, Pete? Do you like that? I, I like that. That was good. So that, I mean, that's all I got, man. That's that's as much help as I can give. If you have more questions, uh, email the website, email us. Uh, you can email uh, Church Planner. Uh, you can go to the, the website that we have there, or you can email me at newbreedcp.org, which is uh, newbreedchurchplanning.com. Um, either one of those will work. You just go there and you email the site. So either email uh, Church Planner Magazine, Church Planner Podcast site, or email me personally through the other and we will answer your questions further. Cool. I dig it, man. I dig it. I appreciate the uh, topic. Cool. Well, hey, guys, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you that if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music